Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you all enjoyed Caleb last week. You know, if you've been around the last several weeks, you know we've been talking about a diet. Uh, a natural diet, comparing it to a spiritual diet. Really for about four weeks, and then Caleb came last week, and just to give you the just of if you weren't here is, uh, do you come to church because you have to, or do you come because you want to? Now, words, is the desire still there, or has the desire left you? Because I know I have, I have spent some time in my life, and I've attended church, but I didn't want to. I didn't have a desire to do it. I just did because that's what you do, and, you know, make it my family happy or whatever. But it wasn't for me. I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. I didn't have a desire to be there. I had a desire to be out eating lunch somewhere, to be in the woods doing something, or just to be in the bed. That was my desire. But through this uh, natural diet that we've been talking about, uh, for myself, my desires have changed. My appetites changed. My appetites changed from... Uh, a lot of the things I was eating that, that wasn't good for me, and it's changed uh, for some good things. It has changed. It's been a process. It didn't change overnight. I didn't wake up the next day and, and hate Little Debbie snacks. It, it, it took some time, but I can honestly say I don't even want one. There's zero desire whatsoever at all to go out there and eat a Little Debbie snack. Nothing against it. If you ate one this morning, hey, wear them out. That's what they're there for. I just don't need one because I'm trying to lose weight. And little Debbie and losing weight don't go together. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why they call them little Debbie. They all call them big Debbies. <laughs> but the appetites change. So, you know, if you don't have a desire for the things of God, and if you don't have a desire for being here in, in God's house and uh, singing worship songs and uh, hearing the Word of God, then that, that, that should be a clue to something. That you're eating the wrong thing. That you're eating the wrong thing. That you, your appetite will change when you start eating the right thing and start uh, removing the other thing from your diet. The worldly things. Y'all with me? Y'all on the same page? Y'all out there? You know what I'm saying. So, um, anyway, last week, some of the scripture I read, we're just going to, uh, I'm going to just pick up where I left off more or less, and I think Caleb's sermon kind of tied into it and uh, gave us a break from talking about uh, not eating fattening foods because I know it's tough to hear that, especially when you're in here and you're hungry and all you can think about is going to eat lunch at the church. I get it. But we read John chapter 6, and I read several scriptures, so I'm not going to read all of them this morning, but I am going to touch on several of them right here, okay? John chapter 6, the 26th verse, starting right here in the 26th verse. Let me Before I do that, let me say this. Jesus... He's out there, he's preaching. He's preaching to the multitudes. Him and his disciples are there. And they're hungry. Y'all remember the story where he turns the, the he gets the little boy's loaves and the fish and he feeds the multitude, right? So they're there. They're there at the sermon. They've heard him preach. Now they're hungry. He says, Go to the go go get them some food. And they say, There's no way we can feed all these people. And then he gets the loaves, he gets the fish, he multiplies them, feeds everybody, has leftover food, twelve baskets of leftover. It was a miracle. That's a miracle. When you take a can of sardines and a couple of slices of loaf bread and we feed the whole town, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. 
That's just the same miracle as seeing a miraculous healing, seeing somebody get up off the deathbed, or seeing Lazarus come out of the tomb. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. Miracles are nice. They're good. So Jesus then, the disciples get in the boat, and they're going across the lake. Jesus doesn't get in the boat with them. But then he comes walking on the water, and they're fearful. And he gets in the boat with them, Ends up going to the other side. So there immediately after, now all the people that he had just ministered to over there have made their way over here. They're looking for him. You know why they're looking for him? Because they want some more bread and some more fish. That's why they're looking for him. They're like, hey, we didn't, we, we, we've been looking for you. So we'll pick up right here. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. You're, you're coming over here because you want your you, you belly full. You want some more loaves. You want some more fish. You like that miracle that I performed when I fed everybody, and you're here for another one. And Jesus says in the 51st verse, He said, For I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And then the 53rd verse, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of, my, uh, of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I abide in him. He's the vine, we're the branches. You got to stay connected. He says, you've got to come. You've got to come and eat the flesh. You've got to come and drink the blood. And in the 60th verse, after they heard this, it says, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand this? And in the 66th verse, John 6, verse 66, 6, 6, 6. For many of that time his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They heard this. This is too hard of a teaching. We can't do this. We don't want to eat all your flesh. We don't want to drink all your blood. All we want is the loaves. All we want is the fish. All we want is just one miracle. But we don't want all of you. We just want from you what we want from you. But we don't want all of you. When he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm thinking about that this week. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. That means there's nothing left. That means you have devoured every bit of it. There's nothing left but the bone. We don't eat bones, do we? He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That means all of me. I'm the Word. The Word was in the beginning. The Word was, was God. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh dwelt among us. He said, I'm the Word. You've got to come and partake of all of the Word. Every bit of it. Eat it all. Drink it up. Don't leave nothing. Everything that I prepare and put on the table for you, that's for you to eat. You don't just come and eat what you want. Don't just come for the miracle, but you've got to come for all of this. Amen. And His disciples said... They went away. They walked away. And just, his disciples, his twelve, said, he asked him, he said, you, you also, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, where, where, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Nobody else got the words of eternal life. You've got the words of eternal life. You do. They wanted the miracle again. But there's so much more on the table. There's so much more on the table.
You know, in Canada, there is a, a cat up there, some type of a lynx. I saw this the other day, and it tied in to, to this. But there's a lynx up, up there, and this lynx uh, only eats this certain rabbit. One rabbit, that's what he eats. That's his meal. He don't chase birds, and he's not after other animals. He eats this uh, one rabbit. There's 50 rabbits per acre for seven years. But every seven years, something happens in the atmosphere, and it's got a name for it, and that don't really matter. But something happens, happens to these rabbits, and they die, and there's only two rabbits per acre. And when there's only two rabbits per acre, now this lynx, they die. Because they starve, because they don't have enough to eat, because they're only eating one thing, and that's the lynx, they don't, the, the rabbit. They don't go after anything else. They're just coming for that one meal, the one meal. So the, the lynx starves and dies. Why? Because the, the rat, they only have one thing, only one thing on their, their diet. And they stay on the endangered species list. So you look at the Indians. The Indians, um, their main source of staying alive is buffaloes. That was their main meal. That's what they ate, buffaloes. And when they were here, the Plain Indians, guess what? There were millions of them. If y'all remember in school, millions of them roaming around, buffaloes everywhere. Buffalo hides real thick and real strong. That's why we say when it comes to being offended, you need to have hide like a buffalo. That what people say, their words are not going to penetrate you because you got hide like a buffalo. It's thick and it's strong. So the Indians would use this hide to make clothes, to keep their fur to keep them warm in the winter, the leather to make shoes, the leather to make saddles, the leather to make teepee, and then they ate the buffalo. So there's millions of them around, millions. So you can imagine living here in Gardendale and there's no houses, there's just uh, meadows and pastures and woods. Millions of buffalo. Go out there and shoot you one. It's not that hard. There's millions of them. And they weren't shooting them with high-powered rifles, so there wasn't anything to scare them off. It was a bow and arrow. It was quiet. That's it. So they go. that was their source. That was their main source. And I know, you know, one thing we learned about you know, the cavalry and, and, and the Indians fighting one another. And sure, they did have battles and they did, Indians were killed that way. That's not the main reason why they, they died. The main reason is because there was a thing called a rifle, a sharp rifle. And it was, I think it was invented in 1870 or 18, anyway, somewhere out, around there. And now these hunters have these rifles. And they have the capability of not walking up and shooting a buffalo at point blank range, but they can shoot it from a couple hundred yards away. So they start hunting them. They start shooting them. And it's, here's what, this, what I read and studied was when, the, when the, the millions came through or the hundreds of thousands, when the herd came through, the big herd came through, they didn't just start shooting them. They waited and they let the herd pass on by and they just waited. And there's always going to be some stragglers. And they would shoot all the stragglers. But they let the herd get on by. That way the herd wouldn't be frightened and stampede and run off. The herd would just hear something from the distance and they'd probably think it was thunder. There's a message right there. You better stay connected to the herd. What I'm talking to is don't forsake the gathering of the church right here. The people, you better stay connected to the church. You better stay connected to the word. You better stay in it. Don't be a straggler because once you start straggling behind, guess what? The crosshairs are on you. I mean, 
If, if I'm alone somewhere and a man approaches me, or perhaps a woman, if she's pretty tough, and she says, I'm fixing to whoop your tail, and she attacks me, there's a 50-50 chance I'm going to get beat up. There is. But I can stand right here before you and tell you, <clears throat> I have no doubt, zero inkling of a doubt, if some man walked in the back door, or a good-sized gal, and she says, I'm fixing to come up there and hand it to you, hand you a butt whooping is what I'm talking about, I have Z. She won't ever make it to me. There's too many men in here that they won't make it to me. You know why? Because I'm right here in the middle of the herd. You guys stay connected. And the same thing applies to every area in life. When you're going through a, a trial or tribulation, stay connected. Don't go out there and think you're going to fight it on your own or handle it on your own. It's too big for you. He, he didn't send any of his disciples out by themselves. He sent them out two at a time. Amen? So these Indians, now they're buffalo. They're taken away from them. They begin to die. They can't adapt to this reservation life. They can't adapt to the farming life because you know why? They've generations and generations and generations of getting food from one source. One source. Buffalo. I forget what I named the title of the sermon today, but it was not just buffalo. Not just buffalo. It's not just the buffalo. You can't come to the table just for the buffalo. There's got to be, it's got to be a, a, a larger, wider diet than that. Just imagine you and I right now. Let's just put ourselves in their position. Think about it. I want us to get our minds wrapped around this. All of a sudden, uh, there's no grocery stores and there's no Walmart. It's gone. We've been invaded by another country. There's a war here or something has happened and there is no Walmart. There's no Publix. Where are you going to get your groceries? You got enough to last you about a week or two. Then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You going to run out and plant your garden real quick? It takes time for it to grow. Well, if it's wintertime, you going to plant one then? You going to go out and kill one of your cows in the backyard that you don't have because you, you don't have a pasture with cows in it? Some people may. We're all going to Caitlin and John's house and we're going to help them eat their cows. But you understand, we've got one source. Let's just narrow it down, make it easy. Publix, that's the only source. That's where we get our groceries. That's where we get our food. Say Walmart, whatever. You understand. What, what would we eat? What would we do? Hmm. What would we do? What would you do without a drive-thru? Some people don't go to Publix. Some people don't go to Walmart. Some people go Chick-fil-A, Burger King, McDonald's. I know people that do that. They eat out three times a day. They don't cook anything. They just eat out. What are you going to do when you can't eat out anymore? You know, Hank Williams Jr. said, country boy can't survive. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can't survive. He said, I can skin a buck and I can run a trot line. A country boy can't survive. I'll tell you what happens is country people can survive in, the, in this situation because they know how to skin a buck. They know how to hunt. They know how to catch a catfish. They know how to catch a bass. They know how to plant a garden. They know how to eat things. Go out and kill things and eat things. Go, if you have to, go out and kill and eat a squirrel. They'll survive. You see, city folks, I ain't got no garden. But I do know how to hunt. I do know how to plant a garden. And I'll be, I'll be trying to find the nearest woods and lake and whatever around if a situation like that occurred. Well, I'm telling you, country folks can survive. They'll eat anything. 
where I used to hunt and I would carry them food, deer, they would eat anything I killed, they'd eat it. This one lady, she said, kill me a raccoon because I love coon and sweet potatoes. I'm like, good heavens. What? Who's going to eat a raccoon? They'll eat it. They'll eat anything. I'm talking about way out in the country. I ain't, I'm not talking about in the corner. I'm talking about in the country, dirt road country. Real country. You know, I live in Mount Olive. I'm a country boy. Yeah, whatever. Well, I used to hunt. They called me a city boy. They called me all kinds of stuff. They laughed when I said, people at my school call me redneck. They go, redneck? You a city boy. I was to them. They was for real rednecks. So this lady, this man and woman I'd stay with sometimes at hunting, she said, kill me an armadillo. I, I think we're going to cook an armadillo. I never did kill an armadillo and bring it to her because I was afraid she'd cook it and I'd have to eat it. Because, <laughs> you know, it would be impolite not to. Anyway, they would eat anything. You know why? Because their diet is very broad. Crawfish bowl, no thank you. They may taste good, but that's a swamp roach. It's got eyes and antennas. And they rip its head off and all that is disgusting. I don't want anything to do with it. You can have that. One time we were at the beach and uh, Josh's and Jackie's other brother West, he's, he's eating some lobster and he's got his fork and he's digging up in the shell and he's eating it. And he goes, hmm. He goes, what is this? And he said, this is some type of stuffing. I said, that's his guts, man. It's not stuffing. They don't have lobster stuffing. He was just eating the, anyways, nasty. <laughs> but that's a varied diet. A varied diet. You understand the difference? It said, not just buffalo, but a varied diet. Eat anything. Poke salad. Eat anything. And he says, you seek me for the loaves. In other words, you seek me for what you want. You come and you seek me for forgiveness. You come and seek me for grace. You come and seek me for mercy. You come and seek me for healing. You come speak, seek me for prosperity. And you come in and you seek me for the miracle. But what about the sanctification, dedication? What about the consecration? What about the discipleship? Are you coming and seeking me for that? That's on the table. I'm serving that up today, Sunday after church. You want to come get you some? No, we don't want that. All we want is forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And we want some money. We want the blessings. But we don't want all this uh, dedication stuff. I'm just here to get what I want. Take what I want. Go about my merry way. I've seen it. I have seen it. I know a man who's bawling and crying. His wife leaves him for another man. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not for divorce, but this old gal, she was crazy. And anyway, he would come to church all the time, sit there with me, go eat with me. I mean, I'm praying for him, ministering for him all the time. He was the first one at the altar. But as soon as the judge, <laughs> the anvil, whatever, and gave him uh, the custody of the child, like I said, because she had some serious issues, the child wouldn't be safe with her. He has never been back to church since. He came. Oh, Lord, I'm here at the table for the fish and the loaves. But as soon as he got the fish and the loaves, no, I went discipleship, consecration, give up some things, and he's out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? People aren't interested in servitude. And he says right here, unless I fill you uh, with my presence, unless you partake of my flesh and drink my blood, that's filling you with my presence, with my word. Guess what? There's no life found in you. You don't have any life found in you. The 66th verse. Let's go back. From that time, 
Many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. They were only eating what they wanted from the table. He said, you just came for the loaves. You just came for the loaves. In 2 Timothy, there's a lot more on the table. 2 Timothy, it says, 2 Timothy 3.16, easy to remember like John 3.16, most popular verse in the entirety of the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in the righteousness. All Scripture, every bit of it, thou shalt not, every bit of it, from the front to the back, is the inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's profitable. And it says that the man of God may be complete, because you're not going to be complete if you're just going for the buffalo. You've got to come for the whole meal. You've got to eat the peas and the carrots. Everything that's on the table. Not just a fried chicken. He says that a man may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what's going to equip you. See, you're going to be, get, you're going to be put into position in life sometime where you're going to need to be equipped. And if you're not equipped, how will you know how to respond? What do you do in this situation? Well, I don't have any idea. Why? Because I'm not equipped. Nobody taught me this. I have no clue. Put me in front of a computer and say, fix the problem. If the problem's going to get bigger. I'm not equipped. I'm not equipped for it. He says all Scripture, not just the buffalo, but all the Scripture. Consume all the Word. Every bit of it. The part about sanctification. The part about consecration. The part about dedication. Not just being blessed. Not just about being prosperous. Because there's other things on the table as well. Generosity is on the table. Kindness is on the table. That's on the table. But Christians, a lot of Christians don't want to be generous. This is mine. I worked hard for it. I'm not going to give it away and help anybody. That should be the main fruit of a Christian. And I say this all the time. I know people probably disagree and think, no, the main fruit should be praying or going to church every Sunday. No, because I know people that pray and go to church every Sunday and they wouldn't give you a penny if there's a billionaire. Generosity. People need to go, wow, why is he so generous? He's generous because Jesus was generous. And Jesus lives on the inside of him. He's a Christian. That's why he's generous. Generosity. People ought to see generosity when they see it. When they get us, they should get generosity. And they should get kindness. These things are on the table. Tithing's on the table. Oh, no, I ain't doing that. Tithing's on the table. No, I just want forgiveness, grace, mercy. I just want prosperity. Tithing is on the table. You just don't come to the table and partake of what you want and then go your merry way. Jesus says, my flesh, my blood, you got to eat it all. Every bit of it. Tithing's on the table. Giving people, helping people, serving people. Serving people. And Josh brought this to my attention. You hear this all the time at churches. Leadership meeting, leadership conference. We do have leadership meetings here at this church. Periodically. You know what we learn in leadership meeting? How to serve. How to serve. Because you know what? If you advertise... Servant conference. Learn how to come be a servant. Nobody's coming. They all want to lead. They want to delegate their authority and tell somebody what to do and lead. And everybody listen to what I got to say. Jesus came. You know how he led? He led by serving. He got down and washed people's nasty old feet. Stinky feet. He led by being a servant. He took his robe off, girded himself and got down and washed their stinky feet. 
You know they had some stinky ones. They didn't take showers every day. They walked everywhere they went. He was a servant. That's how he led by serving. You want to be a leader? Serve. Serving is on the table. Leadership's not even on the table. Serving is. And that's how you lead, is by serving. Amen? Heaven's on the table. Hell's on the table too. Because you know why? This book right here that we believe, this book that we trust, talks a lot about hell and judgment. And it warns you of hell and judgment. It's on the table too. You need to know it's real. I know we want to pick me up sermon. I do like pick me up sermons, but let me tell you, life is full of trials and life's full of tribulations. You know how I know? Because it's on the table. The book tells us, it promises you, it guarantees you, you're going to go through trials and tribulations. It's coming. But it also guarantees you he'll be with you when the smoke clears because he ain't letting you, he ain't forsaking you. You ain't going to take one step alone. I'll be right there by your side. The ship ain't going out. I'm on it with you. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be heartaches. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us there's going to be persecution. Jesus says, you'll be persecuted. You follow me, you're going to be persecuted. He says, follow me. It's not just getting saved. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just grace. It's lay down your life. Pick up your grace. A cross and follow me. You want to be my disciple. Here's what it takes. Lose your life, gain your life. Lay your life down, pick up the cross, follow me. It's not about you, it's about me. It's about others, serving others. That's on the table. Now we just want the loaves and the, and the fish. Just fill this thing up, Jesus. It's got plenty of room right here. Come on, download some stuff into this. That's all we want off the table. No, there's more on the table. The more on the table, get some of this out and help some people. Material things are not life. Your house ain't life. Your car ain't life. Your wife ain't life. Your husband ain't your life. Your kids ain't your life. Christ is life. You want to have a nicer car, enjoy it. Better house, enjoy it. Have a good marriage, good kids. Guess what? You better have Christ right on up in the center of it. Because He's life. Without Him, there is no life. You got to eat the whole book. All the flesh. Drink the blood. Y'all remember that movie Red Dawn? The Russians attacked. Patrick Swayze and whoever, they went out and they killed a deer. And they took the cup in there and they cut the heart open and made the dude drink the blood. That's what I'm talking about. Eat the flesh and drink the blood. We ain't wasting nothing. We want it all. We want every bit of it. I want it all, Lord. I want it all. What about Marriage. It's getting tough. I think I'll just quit and try me another. That's what people do. What the heck? Let's just get married. If it don't work out, we'll get divorced. 199 down there on the billboard, billboard on South Interstate. Put more effort and spend more money and more uh, uh, mental stress or whatever you want to call it, emotional uh, energy on getting the divorce than you could if you just worked on staying together. Maybe get a counselor, a Christian counselor could help you out. Now, we just, we'll do better the next time. I don't want to eat that off the table. See, on the table, there's a scripture that says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. No man. 
I put this marriage together. I, I created this union, man and woman. Let no man separate it. No man's including the lawyer. It's including your husband. It's including your wife, mama and daddy. All your friends said, I'd dump her. I'd get rid of him. Let no man separate what I put together. God said, I put this thing together. Who in the world are you to come separate what I put together? I don't want that off the table, though. I got to put up with her. I got to put up with him. I got to deal with this. It'd be a lot easier to just kick him to the curb. People don't want to eat that meal. That's beans and carrots. With no flavor, no fat back in there. They don't want them colored greens. I'm thankful I was raised eating vegetables. I, I can't even think of a vegetable I won't eat. There's probably one out there that I don't know about, but I'll eat them things. I like vegetables. Collard greens, turnip greens, spinach, bring it on, uh, uh, cauliflower, broccoli, y- you name it, I'll eat it. It's good. A lot of people don't like the veggies. And there's a lot of things I don't like. I don't want, I just quit and go on about my business. I don't want to eat this scripture off the table. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for. Husbands, love your wife just like Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? So much that he's in the kingdom of heaven up there chilling. Life is pretty dang good. And he comes down to earth and humbles himself to this place, this cursed land, and becomes a human being, lives a life that you and I couldn't live. Then they nail him, they strip him down naked, nail him to a whipping, tie him to a whipping cross, beat the fire out of him. Then he carries his own cross up there and they nail him to it and they stand up. He died. He went through all that for his church so that his church, you and I can make a choice to follow him and to serve him. That's what he did for the church. Now husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Husbands, do you love your wife that much? Will you give up and lay down everything and say, no, it ain't about me, it's about her because she's my wife and that's what's on the table. That's what the meal he has prepared for me and I'm here at the table and I want to eat everything he's prepared. Or is, it, is that one you're just going to have to leave on? I can't follow that. John 6, 6, 6. That's too much. I don't want that flesh. That's a cup of blood I ain't ready to drink. As soon as she starts doing what she's supposed to do, then I'll love her that way. Show me that scripture. Show me that scripture. That's because it's not in there. He said, husband, you love your life, you love your wife this way right here. Love her that way. That's it. There is nothing else. Love her this way. There is no exceptions. You love her this way. Wow, submit your uh, to your husband as to the Lord. I gotta submit to that fool. He wanna go to church with me. Won't let me do this. Won't let me do that. He's lording over me. He's trying to hold me down. He, he's uh, constantly putting me down. He's fussing. He points out all my... F- I can, I'm going to submit to that jerk. I will when he starts loving me like Christ loved the church. That's not what it says. It says, wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. When? Now. You talking about when he's at home drinking a six-pack while I'm at church? Yeah. That's what it says. Submit to your husbands just like... Unto the Lord. Don't wait till He gets it all right. You just get it right. You just get it right. Let me tell you something. I'm speaking from experience right here. I have a wife that submitted and loved me from the beginning till now. And I used to be a complete idiot. You think I'm an idiot now? You should have known me back then. I loved her, but I loved myself and my selfish. I loved doing what I wanted to do just as much or maybe a little bit more. 
I loved her, but it wasn't nothing at all for me to leave her at the house with four kids, three of them this big, and go to Texas and hunt for a week, and then turn around and go to Illinois and hunt for a week. Nothing at all. What? Big whoop-de-dipty. What kind of idiot would do something like that? Amen. That's the truth. What kind of idiot would do something like that? And just didn't appreciate the gift that the Lord had given me. But she still submitted. I'll tell you right now, in worldly eyes, she would have every reason just to divorce me and find somebody else that would help her and be a better helpmate. But she said, well, you know what? I think I'll just eat, keep eating this. I'll just sit here at the table and I'll just, I'll just keep on eating on this right here while I submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. He'll give me the grace to put up with this idiot a little bit longer. And I'm glad she did. For 13 years to be exact, and 13 years, let me tell you something, something changed. A whole lot changed. What changed is I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I jumped on the wagon and I ain't fell off of it. I had a personal encounter right in my kitchen. But what if she had quit? Hmm. What if she had divorced me? Hmm. Probably with me standing here in front of you. See, we want to eat the loaves, but we don't want to eat the submission sandwich. We want to come to the table and eat the loaves and the fish. We want the miracle. But there's a big old sandwich up there. It's a sub sandwich. It's called the submission sandwich. You've got to eat it. It's part of this thing. It's part of eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Mm, it's part of being faithful. Eat whatever is on the table. There's a lot of thou shalt nots on the table. That's Old Testament. Oh, God, that's bringing that old junk up. No, it's still very applicable right here, right now, today. You should not put any other gods, serve any other gods before me. You should not take the Lord's name in vain. You shouldn't kill. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't cover. You shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't lie or bear false witness. Those are pretty applicable right here, right now. The law is not written on a tablet anymore. He says, I wrote them on your heart. They're in here. See, we like the thou shalt. Tell us what we can do. But the thou shalt... Submission sandwich, I don't know if I want that. I'll come back to see what you're serving tomorrow on the buffet. It's not a pick and choose. You know, show up on Sunday. Here I am, Lord. Bless me. Rain it out. Open up the windows of heaven. Pour it out. Give me a blessing I can't contain. Just like your scripture says, even though I don't tithe, just hit me with it. I mean, daggum, I got out of the bed, fixed my hair, did my makeup, drove all the way up here. Ten whole minutes. I mean, come on, rain it down. I think it's so quiet, but y'all know that's how we act. Same old diet. Are we going to keep eating the same diet? Are we going to keep on eating buffalo? Are we going to do something for the kingdom? I'm going I'm to I'm close right here. So I'm going to talk about Job for a moment. And I'm going to close. So whatever praise and worship, whatever you want to do, whatever the Lord's putting on your heart right there. Job was a prosperous man. Job was a wealthy man. Dude was loaded, you hear me? Loaded. Loaded. 
Uh, Bill Gates loaded. Donald Trump loaded. He was loaded. He was prosperous and he was wealthy. And Satan comes to God and says, Hey, well, what about your old boy Job there? I know he's faithful and all, but I bet you if you take that money away from him, you take his farm, his land, his animals, you take all that stuff away from him, his home, all that stuff, but if you take that away from him, he'll curse you. He won't live for you anymore. He won't do it. If you just let me, just let me in. Let, let's see. Just let me in. Let me have it. you got protection around me. I can't get to it. Remove that. Let me in. Let's see what happens. You know what? In just a snap of a finger, Job lost everything. I'm talking about lost everything. Went from hero to living on the hill in a mansion to now he's living under the bridge in a cardboard box. I'm talking about lost it all. Lost all his wealth. Prosperity. All of it. Every bit of it gone. And you know what? Job's getting ready to speak. He's getting ready to say something. Here he is getting ready to talk. And don't you know all the demons in hell are gathered around just to hear. Let's hear what Job's got to say because he's going to curse God. He's going to announce him. Let's listen to what he's got to say. Heaven's up there on the balcony looking down. Yeah, let's hear what he's got to say. They're all gathered around waiting to hear what Job's got to say. And Job says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I came here. Well, nothing, I'm going to leave nothing, but it don't matter what I got. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right there in his nakedness, right there, when he had lost everything, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul said this in Philippians, the fourth chapter, the twelfth verse. He said, I know what it, how it uh, is to be a base, and I know how it is to abound. Everything and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said, I know what it's like to be broke and I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to be healthy. I know what it's like to not be healthy. I know what it's like to be on top of the mountain. I know what it's like to be in the valley. But it don't matter. I'm still going to serve the Lord. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've been on top of the mountain before and I'll get back up there again. Not on my own merit, not on my own strength, but the strength of the Lord that's upon me. Jesus says in John, the 16th chapter, the 33rd verse, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Guess what? Trials and tribulations are going to come, just like came to Paul, just like came to Job. But Jesus says, don't worry. Guess what? This world's going to afflict you. This world's going to bring trials on you. Everything's not going to go perfect. There's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some tough times. Sometimes you're going to be down the valley. This world's going to hit you hard. It's going to knock you down. But guess what? Get knocked down. Righteous man gets back up seven times. He says, don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. This world that's attacking you, I've already overcome it. Just eat my flesh. Just drink my blood. Just abide in me. Just sit down right here at the right hand of the throne of God with me because I've overcome the world. Amen. Satan says, take his health. Let me have his health. Take that hedge off of it. Let me have his health. I'm going to attack him. He'll curse you. Take, let me take his health. And I ain't talking about performing no miracle. I'm talking about I'm going to take his health. He's got to go through the chemo. He's got to suffer. And that's the real test of Christianity. 
is when you are going through that and you don't have an answer and you don't fully understand everything, but all you know is you're just going to trust the Lord anyway. I don't understand it. I don't have an answer, but I know somebody that does understand it. I know somebody that does have the answer and His name is Jesus. And I'm just going to trust in Him anyway. Job is afflicted. He's sitting there with balls from top of his head to the soles of his feet. What's he going to say now? The demons are listening. What's he going to say now? His wife says, won't you just go ahead and curse God and die? And he's a miserable, wretched man. He's lost everything. He's lost his children. He's lost all his money. He's lost everything. Now he's covered with this plague of this disease. He's sitting there with a piece of pottery, scraping balls off of him. And hell and the demons are just gathered around to see what he's going to say. He said, for I know that my Redeemer lives. He mushers up the strength and he says, for I know that my Redeemer lives. He says, though he may slay me, I'm going to trust in him. Even if he slays me, I'm still going to trust in him. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to trust in him. And he just mumbles, he just mutters. He finds the strength to say, my Redeemer lives. That should be powerful to somebody. See, it's a balanced diet Job had. Job didn't just come to the table when everything was prosperous and good. He was still coming to the table eating when he lost everything. Everything. And he's still at the table. He said, I don't like the beans and the carrots. I don't like this, what I'm serving, but I'm eating it. Because I trust in the Lord. And though he may slay me, I'll still trust him. He said, we're going to serve him when the good times roll. And the good times do roll. I've rolled through a lot of good times. I'm rolling through some right now. The good times are, I like them. Let the good times roll. But sometimes you roll right on over the good times, right on down the other side, down in a deep, dark valley. You're going to serve Him then? You're going to keep coming to the table then? Because see, when you start eating properly in the natural, and now you're put in a position, you're prepared. Your body's prepared. When they send soldiers to another country and they jump out of an airplane over and hit the ground, guess what? They're prepared. They've been trained. They've been eating. They've been working out. They've been exercising. They've been going through drills. They are prepared for what's fixing to happen. They're ready and they're prepared. They just don't send average Joes like you and I and go chunk us out over there and give us a pat on the back and say, do your best, boys. But they get, there's preparation. And guess what? Hell's going to attack the good times are going to roll. Hell's going to attack. And when hell attacks, that's when you find out what you made out of. That's what Christianity is. Anybody can be a Christian when the good times are rolling. But when hell attacks, when you, when you get the pressure on you, when you squeeze the grape, the grape comes out. When the pressure's put on you as a Christian, what's on the inside comes out. See, let me tell you something. When the pressure gets put on you as a Christian... Everybody that's around, they're going to know what you've been eating by your reaction. You can't stop it from coming, but when it gets there, it's up to you on how you react. Everybody's going to know what you've been eating. So what you've been eating, are you prepared for it? Are you prepared for it? Come in church every Sunday. Sit here and hear a sermon. Every Sunday. Take notes even. 
all the Scriptures. Maybe you read them during the week. Maybe you've memorized some. What in the world's all this for? When hell attacks, you'll know what it's for. Because you can pull out the sword, Dan, and you can decree, my God's alive, my Redeemer lives, and I'm going to stand on this word right here, on this diet that I've been partaking of, not just the buffalo, but I'm eating everything on the table. Amen. I went to bed. I went to bed at 11 o'clock last night. I don't never step that late. It was a long day, long week, long everything. Tough, hot, sweaty. I went to bed at 11 o'clock with absolutely zero clues. I'm telling you, zero clues about what we're going to preach about today. Try that. I'm talking about if you're just going to go prepare a speech for the classroom up at the high school and you don't even know what you're going to talk about. You don't want to go to bed. But over the course of these last several years, I've just learned, you know what? I mean, what in the world do I even care? And what I mean by that is, I'm not mustering something up here. He always comes through. Sometimes it's Sunday morning, one hour before service, and all of a sudden I've got an hour sermon. But He always comes through. He'll always come through for you just as long as you stay at the table and you just eat whatever He prepared. Just stay there. God's good. He is always faithful. Amen. And if He hadn't given me a sermon, I was going to make Kevin preach. tell him that every week. One week I'm for real going to do it. You'll see. Come and dine at the master's table. The master's table. Come and eat with him. The table wasn't just for religious people that had it all together. In fact, I don't remember reading in the Bible where they came at all. It was always sinners. Big old table. Feast with a meal. Jesus and the sinners. That's what the table's for. Come all you who are weary, heavy laden, burdened, I'll give you a rest. Guess what? I'll feed you. I'm food for your souls. Come get you some right here. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And it's not just a one-time meal and then leave and go away. It's come on back every day. Come on back to the table tomorrow and the next day. Just keep on coming back to the table. Just keep on coming back to the table. It's like a waterfall that never stops flowing. It's just a flow in forgiveness and grace and mercy. It's just a table that stays full. You just got to keep coming to the table. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 